everybody, and welcome back to No Fate, a Terminator podcast where we cover everything and all things Terminator. I'm your host, Michael John Petty. With me is my co-host, Tanner Radwick. And Tanner, it's a new year. It is. Same us, though. Um, same us. Uh, one one year closer to the uh, future, um, and the fate is not sent, and... Uh, yeah, who knows what we have in store this year. See, I was going to say one year closer to Judgment Day, but you had a more hopeful op- outlook on that. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> well, it is a new year, and as we promised, we're back. Um, we we weren't going to take a, uh, a long hiatus again. Um, we're trying to churn out the rest of Season 2 before things get a little hectic in our lives in the next few months and so Mm -hmm. uh so we're working hard to do that but before we jump into this week's episode which is going to be on the good wound not the good wife the good wound a couple of you guys wrote in some feedback for us on some previous episodes or your thoughts on current episodes we've been covering or other terminator related content so we thought we'd go through some of that but tanner you wanted to mention uh somebody first yeah i well i i felt bad i was um going through my facebook messages here and i got a message from noah Higemeyer, and i hadn't seen it for months for some reason there was a spot that i had never seen before <laughs> but i just had a nice conversation with noah um just briefly about our episodes we talked about some Terminator video games a little bit, so um, just wanted to give him a shout-out and say I appreciate that he's listening in and and, uh, and chiming in about some different Terminator media. It's, it's fun hearing from other people who listen and enjoy and also just enjoy this franchise as much as we do. So, quick yeah. shout-out. Thanks again, Noah. And obviously you've emailed us it before, so we've we've gave you a shout out before, given you a shout out before, but but Tanner felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was very nice. Um You said we have other stuff in the mailbag? We do. We got a bunch of stuff actually. So l- let's just get started, I guess. So okay. our our first email comes from Chris and Chris, I am not I'm going to butcher your last name. So you're going to know who you are because we're not going to We're not going to do that to you, so sorry in advance. Chris says, Hey guys, thanks for dedicating so much of your time to the Terminator. I'm so glad that there are other people who are so obsessed about this stuff as I am. I found your podcast after completing the video game Terminator Resistance, searching Spotify for anyone who talked about it, and it turns out the the world is low on Terminator podcast content, so I'm glad you are filling the void. By the way, I now consider that video game canon, and my ideal timeline is Terminator Resistance, Terminator 1, Terminator 2, and the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Mm. I generally like the other movies, with the exception of Genesis. Anyway, I started the Sarah Connor Chronicles years ago and fell off. Your podcast inspired me to finish it, and I'm so glad I did. I was a bit chapped with you guys for spoiling that John killed Sarkissian, so after that episode, I just went through and binged the whole show to prevent any other spoilers. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm looking forward to the rest of the episodes and can't wait for you guys to talk about the video game. Thanks and happy holidays. That's cool. What a great game, too. Um, I'm so excited for you to play that, Michael. I know it's challenging with 
your time constraints. <laughs> I might end up just watching the walkthrough and some gameplay and stuff before so that we can actually cover it. Because you've played it. At least one of us has had to have played it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, truth be told, too, if you watch a walkthrough, you might be able to remember it better than I do even. Um, it is a relatively short game, and it's not particularly challenging either. So, well, maybe I'll just have to play it then. We'll see. Maybe we'll, you, we'll see what the time time concerns look like. I bet you could grind it out if you need to. But yeah, we are excited to talk about that. I'm so glad that. What a cool thing that they even today released a video game that was well received too by fans. Like mm-hmm. more well received than the movies. The movies are always controversial when they come out, but as far as Terminator fans, when they when they play that game, they all agree like this. Why don't they make a movie like this? Like, and of course, it's set in the future. It's just it's so good. It captures the tone. The music is great. I'm excited to talk about that one. What I think is super interesting about that game too, and again, I I know very little about it other than what you have told me, but it -hmm. came out in 2019, which means it came out around the same time as Terminator Dark Fate. And for two big Terminator productions to be released the same year after years of not having any, um, that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's like when the Sarah Connor Chronicles was on and the last episode of the Sarah Connor Chronicles had a preview for Terminator Salvation because it came out that summer. Like, that's that's a cool right. thing. There's, a, there's some cool overlap there. And ironically, just like the Sarah Connor Chronicles when compared to Salvation, Resistance got... <laughs> more favorable reviews than dark fate so it's funny that all the uh non-feature film media for terminator seems to do better in general than uh than the movies right no it's interesting sorry chris for spoiling the sarkissian kill for you but to be fair i'm pretty sure we mentioned that we were going to spoil or spoil that in that episode so you had like 10 <laughs> seconds before we said anything <laughs> um <laughs> Our, our next set of messages, and I, I say set of messages because Ryan had a bunch of, uh, he sent in a bunch of stuff through our website as well as on Twitter, and, and we'll kind of bullet point through these um, pretty quick, come from Ryan Cutler. And Ryan asks, first and foremost, what are the other shows on your top 10 list? Is The Expanse on there? And I know for both of us, The Expanse is not on our top 10 list for TV shows. But I have a friend who told me to watch I've to watch that. I've been told to watch it too. I it sounds really interesting. I've no aversion to watching it. I just haven't. But yeah, Tanner, <laughs> what are your top ten favorite TV shows? TV shows, as you know, movies are very easy for me to list. Uh, I I didn't grow up watching a ton of TV. Exactly, I watched a bunch of movies for sure. But if I were to say my favorite TV shows, I would say Breaking Bad is at the top for me. Mm-hmm. Of course, Better Call Saul is kind of bundled in there as well. Um, trying to go quick here. The Walking Dead I liked at first, but I'm not even caught up on that anymore, as we've talked about in previous episodes. I'm trying to remember what else I really like. <laughs> as I talked about in the uh, the Super Bracket Bros podcast i i'm a big fan of the original pokemon series which i'm actually rewatching through now um kind of kind of the indigo league orange league and then the johto league and then i kind of stopped sure um <laughs> what else do we have the sarah connor chronicles of course what else do i watch that's always the question Kobe. 
<laughs> what was that? Uh, I like Cobra Kai. Yeah, you do. Claire and I watched. Claire and I watched a fun one called Ragnarok on Netflix. It's about Vikings, it's, isn't it? Well, it's about Thor. It's oh. pretty cool. It's, it's a but Thor not Marvel's take, Thor. Not Marvel's Thor. It's kind of like a um, kind of like a kid in high school gets bestowed with the powers of Thor, kind of thing. It's oh, really cool. Fascinating. It's like a Norwegian Spider-Man TV show, but it's oh, Thor. What the heck? It's it's really good. It's in Norwegian with subtitles. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, uh, the other one I like a lot on on Netflix is called Fauda, and that's a uh, in hey, Israeli. That's Israeli. You told me to watch that. It's so good, super good. And they have a new season coming out this year as well. Um, as you know, I do watch Yellowstone, even though you and I both complain about it. Also, because you and I are both from bozeman here (laughs) so and it's not as good as it was yeah arguably however that 1883 yellowstone was incredibly good and i've been keeping up with this 1923 that's out right now and it's been okay harrison ford is still so (laughs) is so is so good he just he never gets old He's getting I thought old. you were going to say, it's so old. <laughs> he's very old, and yet he's still so tough. But, funny thing about that, that reminds me as well, I can mention that Robert Patrick, the T-1000, is in Yellowstone 1923, as well as, I think, The Walking Dead now, although I have not watched up to that point. He's in but, The Walking Dead? Or is he in one of the spinoffs? I'm, uh, it might be a spinoff, but I'm pretty sure he's in that universe now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but... You're probably um, right. Yeah, he's been great in 1923. Anyway, I rambled for a bit. <laughs> Let's hear some of your shows, Michael. Well, everyone knows my favorite show is Smallville, so we'll get that out of the way. What? <laughs> Why have you never mentioned that on this podcast at Not all? one time. Especially since there's so many connections to this franchise. I know. I'm... It's crazy. <laughs> um. Still my favorite Smallville Terminator connection fun fact is there's this, and I've talked about it on the show before, but it's so fun that I just love mentioning it, is there's this flash forward scene in early seasons of Smallville where a future president, Lex Luthor, uh, he, he launches the missiles and it's the scene of Judgment Day from Terminator 3 and they literally yeah. took those clips and put it on, in the show because they're both owned by Warner Brothers. And yeah. <laughs> I just love it. It's so funny. Um, and obviously I watched Smallville before I watched Terminator. So when I went back and watched Terminator, I was like, wait a minute. I recognize this. And it's because <laughs> I was like, oh, it was on Smallville. But it came from this. So super funny. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I also love Supernatural. I'm a huge Supernatural fan, especially the first five seasons. Uh, I, I kind of, the last 10 seasons are kind of hit or miss for me. Uh, I watched it because the characters are so interesting. Um, but the plot is just, it's not great after season five, but those first five seasons are like a one complete story. And, and I love that it's, it's up there for me. X-Files and its sister show Millennium. Love those shows. Millennium starred Lance Henriksen, who played, uh, the cop in the first Terminator movie and Bishop from Aliens. Uh, I love Chuck. I don't know if you've ever seen Chuck. It's about spies, but it's it's really fun. He, he's like a nerd, but he's also a spy. It's a, it's a good time. Um, Terminator Great. Sarah Connor Chronicles, obviously. Longmire is one of my favorites. 
um, which I know you don't like very much, which I think is ironic I, given that you like I Yellowstone. Probably, I probably didn't give it a fair enough shakedown. I don't know. It was very cringe. <laughs> <laughs> See, I disagree. I needed, to, I needed to watch more of it, I'm sure, but... <laughs> no, I love Longmire. It's great. Um, you and I also both love The Office, of course, but that's kind of a given at this point, isn't it? Yeah, The Office is great. Uh, Heroes yeah. is up there for me, um, especially that first season. Uh, Veronica Mars, except for the last season, which was kind of terrible. It was kind of trash. And then I really like uh, The Chosen, which is a uh, which is a show about Jesus and his disciples. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, there's some other stuff on there. I really love Stranger Things, Daredevil, both Netflix shows. Uh, this Canadian sci-fi show, Continuum, is pretty great. Terminator fans would love that. Um, Fringe, my wife and I have been watching Fringe again. Um, well, it's her first time. And I just, I remembered how much I loved it. It's such a good show. And then stuff like Jericho, Falling Skies, uh, Parks and Rec Community. So, stuff like that. Mandalorian, Cobra Kai, good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a little more about our uh, our personal taste. A lot of sci-fi in there, a lot of crime. <laughs> Both Tanner and I love westerns, so there's that too. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we like. Sorry for rambling on that for so long, guys, but... We'll move on to more Terminator-like content. So Ryan also had a couple other stuff for us. Um, he said, I listened to your Samson and Delisle episode. I think I disagree about Cameron when she says she loves John. I think in the moment it sounds like a lie, but I think that when she has the order to terminate, it's meant to at least make the viewer question if it's true or not. It has been a while, but I think they talk about it on either a featurette or in a commentary. Are you guys watching on Hulu or the Blu-rays? Have you listened to all the episode commentaries and interviews? They're pretty good. For instance, Josh Friedman, who's the creator of the show, uh, talks a lot about Shirley Manson, who's the T-1000 um, Weaver. Well, T-1001 Weaver. And her being on the show and performing the song. He also says that he's a huge Bruce Springsteen fan, and I guess he did that song in the past. Uh, he uses a few other song names as episode titles later in the season as well, which obviously like Born to Run and Adam Rains to Cain and all that. Those are all Bruce Springsteen songs. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think that Cameron, I like, I think Cameron's lying to clarify. This is when they have Cameron pinned against the truck when she's bad, right? Yeah, I think so. If out because Samson and Delilah, that's of course when she that's wakes the, up and yep. she's, yeah. So I guess to answer part of that question, we've, we're both watching on the blu-rays i am watching all the additional content i have i think if i remember right some of the commentaries are towards the end of the discs that i haven't maybe gotten to yet or maybe it's just not on there maybe it's just deleted scenes i don't remember well i'll clarify that further I, you're watching still on the blu-rays i actually am watching i've been watching on hulu recently i started okay. our rewatch on the dvds and we kind of moved over to hulu just because it's more convenient but i do need to go back and rewatch some of those featurettes and interviews and the commentaries are what I'm really curious in because Ryan's mentioned this a couple times on Twitter um, when talking about different episodes. I think he talked about how um, in Allison from Palmdale that he says we need to watch the commentary on the Blu-rays because it explains a lot and might increase our score after after listening to it. Um, <laughs> okay. But I, I don't know about that, but we'll see. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I just don't I just don't buy it with Cameron in that episode. And I think it's I think it's because she 
and she talks about it later in the in the series, but deep down she's a Terminator, and her ultimate objective is to kill John Connor. So in that moment, she's going to say anything that'll let her do that, especially because in that moment her reprogramming has been kind of wiped. I don't know. What do you have any yeah. other thoughts on that? It's such a it's such a chaotic moment and such a loose cannon, and that for her to. It wasn't like a conflicted, I want to kill you, but I also don't want to moment, like in Terminator 3. It wasn't quite like that. It was only, she only started saying, I love you when she had like no other choice, right? Sure. So it doesn't feel like she's resisting it the whole time. And then, you know, it's this back and forth. It really felt to me like she needed to say something manipulative to get him to pause until she could figure out how to get unpinned from that truck, is what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. But. Sounds like we need to listen to a commentary. <laughs> uh, Ryan also mentioned that he uh, really liked our episode on Goodbye to All That, which is the military school episode, mm-hmm. and how he felt like we were a little hard on it. He thinks it's one of the best episodes, in particular because of the juxtaposition between Sarah reading The Wizard of Oz and the action with the Terminator at the end, which admittedly is a very cool scene. Very cool. I, yeah, I would agree with that. You know, when I whenever I reflect about that episode, I feel like I like it a lot. I don't remember saying anything super negative about it. I'd have to. <laughs> I, I know we'd, we'd have to remember what we said, <laughs> right? Because just thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I like that episode. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But I must. Uh, I must have torn it apart somehow. Well, I read that out. tweet and I was like, wait a minute, we said something bad. About it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we did. <laughs> no, I'm sure we did too. But, I mean, obviously they're listening to us. We're not listening to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ryan did say one more thing. He said he's now totally caught up. He just finished the episode. Or he's not totally caught up. Oh, okay. So this is an older email. He just finished Goodbye to All That. So maybe we mentioned this in the meantime. But he was thinking that we could do a segment on the rights of the Terminator franchise throughout the years and who currently controls them. I know it's pretty confusing. And I think that's a wonderful idea. Um, Yeah. I would love to do that episode because it's it's very interesting. Um, Companies going business. Mm-hmm. Also, even just James Cameron's connection to it, also signing yep. things off and yep. all of that. And yep. the different studios that have been involved, because um, to my knowledge, after Cameron lost the rights, that's when Warner Brothers took over and did Terminator 3. And then Warner Brothers owned the rights through Terminator Salvation. So they produced Terminator 3, they produced Terminator Salvation, all the video games and stuff in between. And then they also did the uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles. But then when Genesis comes out, the rights go to Paramount. Um, Sky Skydance and Paramount made that movie, and Warner Brothers wasn't involved at all. And then after that film, the rights went back to James Cameron, but Skydance and Paramount were still involved in the production of Dark Fate. So it's, it's all very interesting and confusing, and that'd be a great thing to do an episode on and actually go through, go through it all. So... And of course, Genesis is the one that feels more like a Marvel movie to us rather than the dark, darker undertones that Salvation has. Sure. Paramount being a Sony company (laughs) and connected to Spider-Man and all of that. Yeah, which is funny because I would say a lot of the Spider-Man movies before the MCU are better than the MCU Spider-Man movies because they don't feel like MCU movies. But then they try and make Terminator feel like an MCU movie. It's very interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very interesting. Um, Our last email for the night comes from, oh boy, 
another another name. Uh, <laughs> Tanner, uh, Etienne. Only my greeting, so I I don't I don't get to take a, a take a stab at it. It's all the pressures on Michael here. <laughs> okay, it's I'm gonna spell it out. E T. No, don't do it. I E N N E. Etienne. Etienne. Says hi there. Recently went through your podcast. Fascinating stuff. It helped me flesh out some ideas for a fan edit, and I wanted your input. What do you think of a multiverse where each John Connor we see in the movies are from alternate realities? In your first podcast, I think you mentioned the possibility of the first John Connor not being Kyle Reese's son, but Stan Morsky's or someone else's, and that whatever happens, John Connor will become the savior of humanity. In other words, there's no time paradox. Rather, John Connor Alpha, who sends Kyle Reese in time to fall in love and impregnate Sarah with John Connor Beta, and so on and so forth. Subsequently, each decision taken by Sarah creates an alternate reality. John, who we then see in Genesis, T3, Salvation, and Dark Fate. Um, I've even read a theory, I think you also addressed that, which says wrong Sarah might have given birth to Alpha John Connor. It says that she had two kids in the movie. One of them might be named John. Opinions, hateful comments, any feedback would be appreciated. Um, so I, I agree. Um, and you and I talked about this recently, and I, I've actually been working on an article for Looper about all the confusing moments in the Terminator franchise explained. And if that comes out in the next week but before I release this, I'll link it in the show notes. If not, we'll talk about it in our next show. But I, I, I kind of agree with this theory. It kind of has to be true that there has to be this alpha timeline from where there was a John Connor who sent Kyle Reese back in time to save Sarah Connor. And in that time, Kyle and Sarah fell in love and produced a child who Sarah named John, of course, because of Kyle's um, stories from the future, but who isn't the actual John Connor who originally sent Kyle Reese back in time because biologically he couldn't be. Um, this John then, of course, grows up into the John that we know from the 2029 future in the Terminator who sends his Kyle back in time to save his mother and then, of course, continue his own existence because he knows that Kyle's his father. Um, That seems to be the way it has to be. I don't see another way where that could work where there's still John Connor in the future before and after Kyle comes back in time. Yeah, without just turning your brain off and saying it's a fun time paradox, which is also a fun way to look at it on its own. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, it makes sense to have it, you know, have have there be kind of an alpha and then a beta and, and everything else. Um, of course, it'd be funny if uh, John sends back Kyle and then they uh, proceed to make things happen, but then a girl comes out. <laughs> would also be funny. That I think has and been done in one of the comic artist. books. Could make a Jane Connor. <laughs> You're joking, but I think that exact scenario happened in the comic book. I think he was, she was even named Jane Connor. Yeah, I'd be on board. It'd be a cool alternate timeline thing. And then if you could do something to put them all together, Spider-Verse style, I think it'd be cool. Okay, so it's funny you say that because I was literally thinking just today. I was I was at work and I was walking down to the bathroom and I was thinking about Terminator as you know you do, and as you do, <laughs> I was thinking, what like an amazing way to connect all of the shows and the movies and the comics together than by doing a Spider Verse type event 
for Terminator. Sorry, my wife just dropped her phone. <laughs> There's a hole in her pocket. Um, <laughs> by by doing this, the Spider-Verse type style thing with Terminator. But what I came up with was this idea that in the original Alpha timeline, there was a guy who somehow was experimented on by Skynet to the point where when Skynet created time travel, he got infused with time travel, energy, mumbo-jumbo stuff, right? And because of that, this guy can go into, in and out of, every Terminator timeline. And okay, he can, the quantum realm. Yeah, exactly. Like the quantum realm, exactly. And his name would be Cameron James, because what else would we name him? Exactly. Okay. And so Cameron James can travel between all of these different Terminator universes. And this this story, this comic book, whatever you want to call it, could be what actually explains all of the plot holes and all of the shows, all of the movies, connects everything together, allows for there to be redemption in the Genesis timeline, allows for John Connor to maybe be saved in the Dark Fate timeline, whatever it is, you know. I think that'd be a really Mm -hmm. interesting idea. I was thinking about this today. And could finish out the Salvation timeline. Yeah, which, I mean, has been finished out. And you need to read that still. But that's true. I think you'll like the way it ends. It's really interesting. We'll cover that at some point on the show. Terminator Salvation, the final battle. Get it, read it, study and prepare, because we're going to get there eventually. But I think it'd be really cool. It's an interesting idea. I don't think that a different Sarah Connor, though, is is the mother of the resistance. I think that they found the right Sarah Connor. That that theory doesn't work for me. But otherwise, I think you're on the right track. So, thank you all for writing in. We really appreciate all of your feedback, all your notes, all of your theories. It's, it's super fun to talk about this stuff. And, yeah, that's why we do it. <laughs> so, that said, Tanner... We're talking today about episode 14 of season 2 of the Sarah Connor Chronicles, The Good Wound. Which has a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And the description reads, Sarah has visions of John's dead father as she tries to find a doctor to remove a bullet from her leg. Jesse removes Riley from the hospital after her suicide attempt, and Catherine covers her tracks after a secret location is identified. Bum, bum, bum. What a weird way to phrase that in the, uh, well, two weird things in this description. One, Catherine. Nobody calls her Catherine. It's Weaver. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. And yeah. two, Sarah has visions of John's dead father. Why not just Sarah has visions of Kyle Reese? Like, everyone knows who Kyle Reese is. If you're watching this show, you know who Kyle Reese is. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah, Catherine is John's wife. Catherine Brewster. Catherine Brewster. Catherine Brewster. Otherwise known as Kate. Uh But it's spelled with a K, not a C. Yes. Yeah, it is interesting. And uh, thinking about, I guess, the wording of that. Repeat the wording one more time for the Catherine part with the exposing a secret and she has to clean it up something. Catherine covers her tracks after a secret location is identified. 
Okay, so I guess that was an answer to one of my questions is, is that does that facility belong to her? Because I still I, I, I always get to this part of the show and I can't remember if that's her place that she's wrecking havoc on or if it's a competitive one. Well, the description seems to imply that it's her place, but the show doesn't imply it one way or another. Which is another frustrating part of this show where some time, some some plot lines I feel like don't get fleshed out quite enough. But you know what does get fleshed out? Sarah's leg. Yeah. With a scalpel. Yeah, and a camera. I uh, I like this episode a lot. I mean, you know I'm a big fan of the special edition of Terminator 2, which features Sarah having a vision of John, uh, not John, Kyle in the mental hospital. Hate it. I guess it's a state hospital, not a mental hospital, but it's close enough. Um, Yeah, I still don't understand why you hate it, but we'll move on. I don't like it. I don't like it. I like it in this. I like it in this. It makes sense. Well, it, I think it works in the other, too, because she hasn't had human contact with anyone who doesn't want to, like, lick her or experiment on her in a long time. So she imagines the only person who trusts her because John doesn't trust her draws away from the story she's so focused without that scene and that scene comes in and it wrecks the momentum it it, it makes it makes her feel less well here's the thing reality that scene just like all the chip business in the show uh if it wasn't there we wouldn't have this episode so you don't know that <laughs> like i'm pretty confident <laughs> The, We'd get more Kyle Reese flashbacks. We wouldn't get Sarah having visions of Kyle. <laughs> the the not having the chip scene makes Dark Fate make more sense because otherwise that Terminator would never learn anything. <laughs> well, I actually have a theory on that too. Okay, riddle me this. Boy, here we go. So in Dark Fate, right, Carl kills John, kind of wanders aimlessly, and then figures out what he wants to do with his life. How? No, no, no. I'm I'm explaining. (laughs) Shut up. Okay. (laughs) So what if when Skynet sends a Terminator back in time, there is a clause. And the clause is you finish her mission in order for Skynet to not be discovered or the timeline to be tampered with. You become self-aware. It's like a reward. But this is like only for Terminators that go back in time because they have very specific missions. So they complete their mission and boom, that's what happens. They they become self-aware and they have the ability then to do what they need to do. And, and the reason why I think this could be true is in Terminator 2, it's only after defeating the T-1000 that the T-800 says stuff like, I now know why you cry. And I know that his chip has been flipped and i and i get all of that and so he is able to learn um but maybe there's a different learning capability that helps with emotional um, responses and such that gets flipped when the mission is completed because if you don't have the flip chip flipping scene in t2 then you're kind of like how does he know that maybe that's how maybe that's the explanation no, they just explain it in the non-ship version of T2. They just leave it at the more interaction he has with humans, his learning computer is able to um, 
become a better infiltrator at that point, which makes sense. I guess. But then that would apply to Carl, too. Uh, yes, because I support the non-chip version. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, so that would, from, that would apply to from a chip point of view, <laughs> I think that's how you can explain it. It's like a reward. That is not canon, by the way. That's just my theory. <laughs> anyway, back to the episode. Tanner, back to the episode. Tanner, what were your initial thoughts on this episode? Um, where did we leave off? We talked about... Oh, yes. We were talking about um, Catherine's covering up yeah. the base that's maybe hers, maybe not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, but oh, no, I like the episode. I really like the idea of Sarah taking this uh, surgeon captive to fix her leg. The talks that she has with Kyle are so good. Yeah. Um, I like that we have Derek in here doing stuff with John. I like that we're seeing John, you know, he's, um, John gets more and more like, I'm going to make, I'm going to call these shots because I have the ability to do and I need to start doing it. Yep. But you also see him call, make, make decisions that are reckless and, you know, uh, appropriate for his age and what he's going through as well. You know, he's not perfect at it. Yeah. Um, and it's really good. The stuff with Jesse and Riley is really good. No, overall, I, I liked this episode a lot. What was the uh, score? Did we say the score yet? Yeah, it was a 7.4 out of 10, which I, I think is fair. I'd probably give it a little higher, but... I'd may- probably go higher. Maybe like a 7.7 to 8, somewhere around that range. <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah, I like this episode a lot, too. I really like, um, obviously, the John... No, not the John. Sarah and Kyle stuff is probably the most notable part of this episode. It's it's what I always remember when I think of this episode. Um, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, refl- before watching this episode, because um, I knew which one it was, I, in the back of my head I was like, what else even happens in this episode? Mm-hmm. I just yeah. remember that Sarah's bleeding out and she's seeing Kyle and she takes a surgeon or a doctor. Um and I was pleasantly surprised by how well all of the other plot lines were handled here. I mean, um, from the Ellison and John Henry stuff to Derek's behind the scenes to even the stuff with the cops was super interesting. Um, I, I just liked it all. I thought it was all very well done. I think what I like most about the interactions between Sarah and Kyle, well, there's two things. One, I love that we can see Lena. Lena Hetty and Joshua Jackson interact because so far we've seen Kyle on the show, but it's all been with Brian Austin Green, with Derek, um, or in the future, you know? And even the brief interaction Kyle has with John, it's a young version of Kyle. It's not the Kyle that Sarah would have known. And because this follows the Terminator, you know, we know that Sarah and Kyle have this history, but that's not something we've seen on the show, really. And it's really nice to see that. It's really nice to see how they might have interacted had he survived. I think it's also really cool that he is kind of her moral compass. And I think this works much better than, is it an episode ago or two episodes ago, where Sarah was seeing the other versions of her younger self. Um, this this just works so much better, and I wish they had done this in that episode too. Yeah. Yeah. I, um... It is good. It's funny seeing a younger version of Kyle Reese talking with Sarah. You're used to seeing someone who's 
more Michael Bean-esque, I guess. <laughs> this Kyle reminds me a lot more of the uh, the Anton Yelchin Kyle mm-hmm. than it does of any other Kyle iteration. Which is funny because um, he predates we were, him. Mm-hmm. And we're, of course, closing in on that date when Salvation came out, and it flows nicely into that. But yeah, watching him go... <laughs> Um, he, but but it works well though because he this he has a, a nice softness to his character that's so important in this scene where he's very much like Sarah's caretaker, and yeah. he's also you know caring about what's going on with John on the phone, and he's talking about the scar that she has from the T one thousand which is on the wrong shoulder by the way, um, <laughs> um, it's good and it works well their relationship between them and the nurse is really good too i'm sorry not the nurse but the surgeon who's with her i like that they that they give some meaning behind why she's helping her it's revealed of course that she's also in an abusive relationship with um this cop who looks like a uh a steve mcqueen (laughs) (laughs) i uh i kind of forgot about that to be honest with you i was watching the episode and my wife actually said she's like oh she she uh she trusts sarah because it's willing to trust sarah because she's in that really in that same thing with the cop and i was like what we haven't even seen these people in her <laughs> yeah come here for a second <laughs> Ex- explain how you knew because i was re-watching this and i could not remember this is my wife hannah everybody hello um well i think i understood that she also had that relationship with her husband, like the cop, because the cop said something and he like knew the car of the woman who was missing. And then she like right away understood what Sarah was going through. And then she has that line where she says like, basically to the effect of like, I understand more than you know. Right. And at that point I already knew the cop was her husband And then I was like, oh, obviously the cop is abusive and that's why. And she also has that question where she asks her, is your husband in law enforcement? Oh, right. And so Um, you connected that. That makes sense. Which like makes it sound like she's in that situation and she can't reach out to anyone because her husband like has that power. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. That's clever. And that's clever because I've seen this episode twice now maybe three times now and i forgot about that completely so <laughs> so well done i got to the end of this episode and i was still surprised even though i've seen it three times yeah me too I, and i've been in the same boat so yeah I, I really like that too i really love that shootout scene um where she ends up shooting him and ooh, it's just it's chilling the standoff it's yeah. great i think what's interesting about that scene too is uh Derek is just it has no idea what's going on. <laughs> He's so confused. Like at, fr- at first Felicia father. doesn't have any idea and then the cop shows right. up and Derek's like now I'm the odd one out. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Speaking of Derek, I feel like so there's a moment in this episode and and Hannah and I talked about this while we were watching it where Sarah calls Derek He's like, yeah, of course something's wrong. You've called me twice today. And then she, like, is kind of quiet on the phone. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, Derek is like, don't worry about John. And he hangs up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, you're going to die. Don't worry about John. Hangs up. And I'm like, Derek, you're like a jerk. What? 
<laughs> See, I thought that was actually a nice moment. That's funny that you say that. He because, just said um, it so aggressively that I was just like, what? Yeah, no sympathy, think... none. <laughs> well, he has a job to do, right? <laughs> He's trying to keep everyone on task. That's true. He's a soldier mentality. You also notice that people never, ever, ever say goodbye never. when they're on the phone in movies and TV shows, and it drives me nuts. No. And, um, unless it's um, like goodbye and then someone dies, you know? That's the only oh, time they say goodbye on the phone. It's incredible that they can just hang up like a psychopath <laughs> without saying goodbye. I, I strive for that level of, <laughs> of not caring. <laughs> but I thought it was very clearly that Derek was, could sense that, you know, this might be it for Sarah. He's not sure what's going on and he can't really help her in that moment. So he's reassuring her that, hey, you know, John is don't worry about John because he's going to take care of John if something happens. Right. Mm hmm. So, but it's all, it always comes across abrupt if they're not saying goodbye, for sure. It just, it just, to me, it just was so aggressive. And I was like, ah, it just took That's me, fair. it took me out of it for a second. And then the scene cut and I was like, ah, that was ag aggressive too. It's, it's an aggressive fair. cut. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the moment with John and Cameron in the waiting room. And yeah. John asks Cameron, um, what would future John do in this situation and Cameron says future John has more important things to do which is true <laughs> yeah Cameron just doesn't and, give an F mm -hmm. and it's the reality of being John Connor John, being John Connor is very lonely yeah. and um, lots of things take precedent over his own desires and wishes um, even for his friends and relationships yeah, it, it was kind of a sobering moment, I think, for John, and I think it it helps spark some of what we see in a couple of episodes. And I, I won't, you know, for the sake of our audience, I won't say any spoilers. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that that really sticks with him the rest mm -hmm. of the show. What Cameron is saying, and for as much as he's tried to fight against his destiny, for as much as he wants to fight against his destiny i think this episode in particular he acts the most like john connor he has since i don't know how many episodes it's been and i think there's a reason for that i think he's starting to realize that hey maybe even if we stop sky Knight, even if we stop judgment day maybe i still am john connor maybe i still have to be and yeah. i think that's of course why he fights so hard for riley that's why he fights so hard to maintain a relationship with Riley. But um, but at the same time, he also can't fight his own nature in that way. And I think that mm -hmm. that's a very interesting battle that he faces. And mm -hmm. it's a very unique battle he faces. Whereas with Sarah, when she was confronted with the Terminator, she, she I mean, went through a 180. She changed completely because of what happened. Um, John didn't have that luxury. He kind of always lived in this world where, no, I have to be John Connor. And even though he doesn't want to be, he kind of always will be. And I think that's a very interesting idea. Yeah. And he knows and accepts that he has to be there until the end and get humanity to the end. Um, Sarah made this very harsh switch because she knows that her job is to raise John to become that man. But She's not necessarily playing a role in right. the end of um, the war, right? No, she doesn't have the same responsibility. 
Exactly. And um, I love that this is a theme with John in essentially every movie that we see and every media that we see him in. It's this battle with who do I have to become? And it's very unique, of course, for, for him in the sense of the severity of it and the stakes. Yeah. But it's it's a struggle that we can all relate to as well as we're as we're thinking about the future and we're worrying about the future and we're challenging ourselves to be the best version of us, especially when kids are involved and everything else. Sure. And it, it makes the character so much more relatable when you're just seeing him struggle with this and sometimes want to run away from it and want to do something different. And we've just we've all been there. And it works so well. Yeah. It kind of just, I mean, the more I watch him, the more it solidifies that for me, like, I don't know, for me, Thomas Decker just is John Connor. Um, And I know we've talked about how the best John Connor is the one who doesn't say a word of the opening of T2. And I think there is some (laughs) truth to that. But I don't know, the more I watch him grow and change and mature and develop the more I see all of the potential of Edward Furlong or Nick Stahl or even Christian Bale and Jason Clark, like I, I see all of that potential realized in this version. And it just makes me so sad that we didn't get a third season to explore that more because more than any character, I think the Sarah Connor Chronicles does justice to John Connor. And honestly, yeah. more than any other um, film, in, I would even say including T2, it the show mm-hmm. does justice to John Connor. And I, sure. that's really hard, especially now with Genesis and Dark Fate, where they couldn't give two craps about John anymore. Yeah. No, absolutely. And T2 is great, of course. It's it's the holy grail of ter- Terminator media. And um, Edward Furlong does such a good job, especially from, oh, yeah. from being an introductory actor in mm-hmm. that movie. And he lays the groundwork, and it's always such a gamble when you, you know, put a kid actor in an action movie. And but he he does it in a way. It lands. It lands, and he sets the groundwork, and you feel the pain, and you feel the realism of this of this young boy who's who understands the gra- the gravity of what he's meant to do, and that it's such a good platform to um for for all these other actors to be able to springboard off of that performance that edward furlong gave to then take it to the next step at a different age at a different point in life and yet still struggling with those same things yeah right i fully agree um speaking of riley i think uh there's a moment between her and jesse that I think is very interesting where she justifies to Jesse her decision to try and kill herself as being a response to get, to get John to respond um, because he couldn't save the girl who killed herself last season because Cameron stopped him. Um, I think that's such a clever way for her to cover what she's feeling. Cause obviously that's, yeah. you know, that's not the reason. No, she's, she's clearly very, very depressed and confused and, doesn't want to be there in this position anymore, but no. it was a very good cover <laughs> to Jesse, who I think I think potentially still even sees through it, but is willing to accept it to allow Riley to keep going, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If yeah, exactly. If it means that she still has her agent, she's going to accept that as an answer. And I, yeah. I think, you know, 
this whole episode, there's a underlying theme of abusive relationships. And you get that with Felicia, the doctor, and the sheriff. And you get that with Riley and Jesse. And there's a little bit of those undertones when it comes to John and Cameron as well, just because of how direct Cameron has to be with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, you can get those undertones between Weaver and John Henry too. Yeah. Um, It's a very interesting idea. And it's honestly, this episode just does it so well on a bunch of different levels that I don't know what my point was. But it's just really good. Sorry, my daughter's crying, and so she uh, she kind of got my full attention there. Yep. But you get a pass. <laughs> but I think that's an interesting idea. I really like that there's this through line throughout the episode of this underlying theme, and I don't think it's the main theme, um, but it is a secondary theme, and it's done well. Uh, I also really liked the Ellison stuff for how brief it was. He comes in to see John Henry playing with Bionicles of all things. I love Bionicles. Me too. Um, it's so you know, funny the... that they got the rights for him to explain Bionicle lore <laughs> on this show. <laughs> Which brings me back to hearing about the Bionicle lore and the and the Toa. And yeah. the... It just made me want to watch the first movie again. I know. I talked with my sister about that the other day. We used to watch it quite a bit. Yep, so did we. My brother and I all the time. Oh, yeah. It was cool. And you know the other nice thing about Bionicle, don't you? What's that? Came out in 2001, Michael. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. That's over 20 years ago. It is. You know the other nice thing about Bionicle? Tell me. They have ball joints. They do, <laughs> with much greater range of motion. Um, I, I really liked that interaction. Um, and, and the whole, you know, we obviously have to talk about this, the whole image of God thing is such a cool thing for a Terminator show to talk about. I mean, mm-hmm. for John Henry to ask the question, am I created in God's image? And he's like, no, you're created in man's image, but we were created in God's image. It's just, it's fascinating. And I, I love those just small theological nods that the show is throwing at us. And I think what all el- what else is fascinating in connection with this episode and, and just uh, religion and faith and Christianity as a whole is Jonathan Jackson, the guy who plays Kyle Reese, he's actually a uh, Orthodox Christian <laughs> and he moved to Ireland to help support a new monastery in 2020. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Believe it or not. Um, and so, it's it's a, a huge part of his work. He actually wrote a book um, all about how his faith relates to his work, and it's 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 something I would love to read, and it'd be really interesting to talk to him on the show, actually. But um, but yeah, it's 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 cool how the how the show how the episode in particular connects those threads. Yeah, that's great. And this bit with John Henry talking to Ellison also, it, it reminded me a lot of the latest Ridley Scott alien entry, the Alien Covenant. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. And um, I like Alien course, Covenant. Yeah, watching both Prometheus and Covenant again, I kind of liked Prometheus more, which I was surprised by. 
Interesting. But I thought the I thought the stuff with and of course that's a theme in both of those movies, right? Is kind of like finding your creator and of course both in the human sense as well as in the android sense, right? Right. There's both of those. I kind of felt like um Ridley Scott wanted to tell that story really bad and he, he kind of shoehorned Alien into it, which I think made both stories less strong than they could have been. Sure. Um that's my biggest problem with Prometheus is the whole time that movie was in production and even when it was released, he was like, I don't know if it's an alien prequel or not. And he flip-flopped a bunch of times until finally landing on it. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> was not a decision. Just let it be. Um, but yeah, no, it very much reminded me of that. And of course this show did that before, and there's been other shows that have done it before this, but, um, we always love our Ellison and John Henry moments, even as brief as they are, they always stand out. And there's an interesting development where Weaver decides to give John Henry access to the internet. And that exchange between Ellison and Weaver talking about, was that a wise choice is just so interesting. Yeah especially because John Henry is kind of in an infantile stage, right? So it's very much, when do you give children access on their own to the internet Mm -hmm. and everything else, you know, and just let them, if you were to let a child roam free and answer its own questions on the internet, it probably would not be good a lot of the time, right? Crazy to think we were still asking those questions over a decade ago. Yeah. So if it's wrong for a child to do that, Imagine if a Terminator was going to answer its own questions via the internet. For all we know, that's how Skynet decided to nuke everybody, right? (laughs) Well, especially by Terminator 3, and I was just thinking about this the other day, is, you know, after Terminator 2, um, Skynet is no longer hardware. You know? Uh, when, When Sarah and John changed the future in Terminator 2, Skynet, which was once hardware with a central core and everything, um is no longer just a piece of hardware. It's also software by the time Terminator three comes around. And John even mentions that in that movie. Mm. Um, and I think that's a huge reason why Skynet goes so quickly to judgment day in Terminator three. Some people say it's rushed, but I don't think that's true because if you give this AI complete unfettered access to the internet immediately, not only can it be everywhere at once, but it can know everything at once. Right. And so, I really like that idea, and of course, Genesis plays around with it too, with it being, with Genesis being Skynet and it getting released into the world and getting all your information and access and all that. But uh, I, it's a fascinating idea, and it's really interesting that Terminator predates the internet in that way. But yeah. I love how the franchise has co-opted it as a part of Skynet's origins and mythology because it kind of has to. Mm-hmm. Skynet is TikTok. Let's make a t-shirt. <laughs> TikTok is Skynet. No, folks, <laughs> that is not us saying that we have gotten anywhere further on merch, but we will hopefully figure <laughs> that out this year. <laughs> yep. Um, I can't think of anything else in particular in this episode that I wanted to talk about. I just, I really liked it. I really liked the dynamic between Sarah and Felicia. I really loved the Kyle Reese stuff. Um it just, it just, it felt so flawless in that way. Um, just those scenes well between done. them. 
well done, heartfelt. I like that they have some throwback dialogue. Yep. Um, I like that Kyle tells Sarah to call him, clearly referring to Charlie is what I gathered from that, but they never say that directly. Oh, interesting, because for me, I heard him, and for, for whatever reason, I heard John or Derek. I thought about it could be Derek, too, but I kind of liked the idea of, like, she didn't want to admit to the Charlie thing, but yeah. he's, like, aware of Charlie, and he's, like, him because he can, he's, of course, medical involved and can help her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I liked that, too. That was smart. My mind my mind did go to Derek, too. Like, is he talking about Derek, and she, like, doesn't want to deal with Derek right now? <laughs> but then I was Which, after like, that cell sure. phone call, fair. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure he's talking about Charlie. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is who he was talking about now that I think twice about it. That's really, that was a clever nod that went over my head. <laughs> yeah, there, there's just some really good stuff in this episode. Um, the Good Wound is a good episode. I, You know, I'll, I'll settle on it. I'll give it an eight. I may even go higher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say eight. I think eight is solid for this episode. I think it's pretty happy with it. Yeah, it's it's one of the better episodes of the show up until this point, I think. You know, there's some that we said were nines or 8.5s or whatever, but I, I would I'd put this up there as one of the better ones we've covered. Um, ironically, I think we're getting into the episodes that I think we have a few more to go before we get there, but we're getting into the episodes that I think are the best of the season of the show or getting close to the best of the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, but as far as the three dots arc goes, this is the best one. By far. And it barely has anything to do with the three dots. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, it's just, this is a great episode in the sense that, no, this is a great example of how well the Sarah Connor Chronicles does character arcs. Because mm-hmm. it really does. I mean, for the most part, the character arcs on the show are outstanding. The three dots arc with Sarah is the exception to the rule. And even in that arc, you have an episode like this that really highlights her and her struggles and her just everything she's going through. Not to mention her confliction with, do I call Charlie? And what, you know, I have to do this for the sake of my son. I would die for him. And just like all these little lines that are thrown out there as she's like dying. (laughs) And it's 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 just a testament to how well the show handles their characters, especially their leads. So I appreciate that. I'd agree. That's great. So that said, folks, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, hopefully you haven't been too bothered by some of the uh, the crying in the background. And I'm, I'm sorry in advance. I've been trying to put our daughter to bed for the past hour and she has not been having it. Um, but... Nevertheless, we're so grateful that you joined us for yet another episode of No Fate. Um, we will be back real soon. We're gonna we're gonna do our best to round out this season and and finish our season two coverage of the Saracona Chronicles by the uh, by the end of spring. So that is our hope. We will see if we get there or not. But that's what we're shooting for. Also, in case you haven't noticed already. Um, no fate. We've switched our podcast providers from Libsyn to Anchor. Anchor is a free podcast provider that is offered through Spotify, and it's great. 
Um, if you want to start a podcast, I would highly recommend that. They're not sponsoring this in any way, but um, it's been a really easy interface and a really easy way to release podcasts. Uh, you can even edit your podcasts through Anchor instead of editing them through a third party. So that's really exciting too. Um, that said, because of that, our feeds have been refreshed and some of your reviews or ratings on our show, whether it be on Spotify or Apple or whatever podcasting platform you listen to, um, have gone away. So if you guys would do us a favor, huge favor, and leave us a positive review on any of our podcast platforms, that would be stellar. Five stars would be awesome, but if you need to be honest, then that's fine too. Um, we really appreciate you guys. We really appreciate all your feedback. Please keep, uh, please keep writing in. You can contact us through our website at nofatepodcast.com or, of course, our Twitter feed at nofate. At no, not no fate. At no fate pod. So, that being said, Tanner, I think that's all we got. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening. And if you are listening, just remember, you are the resistance.